Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Kirk Church Podcast. I'm Aaron Elmore, lead pastor at Kirk of the Hills, located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you can hear messages from all our pastors and guest speakers. Make sure to subscribe and share with anyone who follows the Kirk. If you want to know more about us, visit us at thekirk.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at the Kirk Church. Let's get started with today's episode. You know, Christmas is filled with so many nostalgic moments and memories, isn't it? I mean, from Christmas decorations to lights, parties, good food and drink, family traditions, gift giving, Christmas concerts, candlelight services, time with family and friends, getting Christmas cards from relatives and and people you haven't seen in a while. There's so many nostalgic things about Christmas. And yet... For honest, Christmas time can also be a hard time filled with challenges and stress as well. Earlier, when the choir was singing uh, the a cappella, uh, is it Song of the Bells? Is that what it's called? Carol of the Bells, yes. I could not help but think of Home Alone. I'm sure many of you, of course. <laughs> the 1990 hit, great Christmas movie. And in the opening scene, it just captures, you know, the stress of a family at Christmas time. And when I watched that movie, it reminds me of my family. You know, lots of energy and chaos, usually running late, and occasionally somebody gets left behind. It, it happens. <laughs> you see, Christmas, like all things this side of heaven, it's filled with beauty and brokenness. It's kind of a mixed bag. And as we think back to the first Christmas, it was truly anything but nostalgic. There's not much nostalgic about the first Christmas. It, you could say in a way that it was a crisis. For the people involved, it was a sudden, unexpected event that demanded a response. You see, our familiarity with the story can kind of hide some of the drama and some of the crisis of it. In fact, even some of the songs that we sing about it aren't entirely true, right? The one about Jesus, no crying he makes. We know that's not true, right? We think of Christmas in this nostalgic light, but the first Christmas for Mary being swept up into God's story of redemption, for her, from a personal perspective, it became a crisis. And the truth is, for all of us, there are aspects of our walking into the calling that God has for us that from our perspective can be a crisis. There are moments in our lives we are not protected from those sudden, unexpected events that demand from us a response. And so what is a crisis? Well, a crisis is a a disruptive event. It causes difficulty, trouble, or danger. It's a time when a difficult or important decision must be made, and it's an opportunity for change. Thinking about it that way, the first Christmas was absolutely a crisis. It brought difficulty into the lives of those involved. It brought danger to certain people. It was a time when important decisions had to be made, and certainly for our world, it was the opportunity for change. As we know, a crisis can be just that. Mary's experience reflects many of the important promises from God that are important for all of us to know and believe, to lean on in difficult seasons of life when we experience those disruptive events. Because the truth is, everybody in here, you're either just coming out of a crisis or you're in the middle of one right now, or unfortunately, because life is broken, you may be headed into one that you do not even anticipate today. 
Our life is filled with these events, and we need to go into those with a solid foundation, a knowing of who God is. You see, when you're in the middle of a crisis, that's not the time to try to be building a theology of God's sovereignty and suffering and wrestling through those hard things. The best time is to, when you go into those, you have a foundation for your life. You believe these truths about God and these promises so that when the rain comes and when the wind blows, your house will not come crashing down because you have that solid foundation. And Christmas is an annual reminder to us of many important things about God, a few of which are from Mary's story, what I want to point out to us today. And we need to work these truths down into our soul to provide that steady ground, that anchor for the soul when we go through these disruptive events. So Luke begins his gospel narrative by stating decisively that God will bring salvation in a way that is utterly supernatural. He begins by telling the story of two seemingly impossible births, one to an old woman and another to a virgin. He is clearly saying, what I'm about to tell you is an unprecedented act of God. There's no way you can tell this story without believing in the supernatural component. Salvation must come in a way that only God can do it so that we will know that God has done it and that he will get all of the glory. So let's jump into the story at the moment where God sends the angel to Gabriel to proclaim this good news to Mary. And the first thing that we see in this story is the promise of God's presence. Gabriel makes a few opening statements before he gets to the specifics of the birth of Christ. But these introductory statements are important. The first one is the typical angelic introduction. Don't be afraid. That one's important because any of us, if visited by an angel, we would be very afraid. I imagine it took a little bit of time before these people calmed down enough to hear what was coming next. And then after that, Gabriel says two things. The first one is that the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And in two different ways says that God's grace or God's favor has been poured out upon you in your life. This is the language of grace. It's the language of God's covenant. From the very beginning of the Bible, God's promise to his people is that I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. I will be with you. My presence is guaranteed. The promise of God's covenant is relationship, God's presence, and his unmerited favor or grace. And you see, Mary needed to be reminded of these things. She needed to have confidence that God would be with her to walk through the difficulties placed before her as she was faithful to the calling that God had placed on her life. And this is true for us as well. We need to know these things. We need to believe them deeply. And maybe God won't send you a direct message through an angel. That would be cool. But he has certainly given us his word to remind us of these things. And all throughout the word, God says to us over and over again, I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. The thing that you can count on in every stage and every season of life is my presence. In Isaiah, it says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. This is the promise of Christmas. God is with us. He promises us his presence. He put the exclamation point on that promise by coming down to us, to be with us. And he promises that he will be with us forever. The second promise is God's plan. We can have confidence in God's plan. And Luke is telling us very clearly. 
He's connecting what's happening with the Messianic prophecies of Isaiah. He's connecting what's happening here with the promised Davidic dynasty. All of that is coming together in the birth of Christ. These great truths that have been promised many years before are now converging in the womb of this young woman by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. And we see in this, this repeated theme in Scripture, that God often works in extraordinary ways with ordinary people to get extraordinary results. That's how God works. He uses people that are unlikely. He uses a young woman. He uses the younger. He uses the weaker. He uses the outcasts. He uses those who are less powerful and less likely in the eyes of the world. Those are the kinds of people that God uses in his story. And he infuses their story with supernatural grace, and he gets extraordinary results. The promise of Christmas is that God's plan will be fulfilled. But how's it going to happen? This is the question that Mary asks. She says, how will this be? That is the right question. That is a good question. That is a legitimate question given the circumstances. She says, look, I understand how the world works. Please, angel, tell me how is this going to be? We're allowed to ask good questions. And sometimes we get specific answers. And sometimes we get an answer, but it's not the full picture. And this is what Mary gets. She gets an answer. The answer is, God will do it. He will do it according to his power. She doesn't get a whole lot of specifics. We're not given the specifics. And yet at times, that is a perfectly legitimate response from a loving parent. Trust me, it's going to happen. Okay, and I don't know all the details, or I'm not going to give you all the details but it will happen. He says, God will do it. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. God's power will overshadow you. This language recalls the language that was used uh, when the tabernacle was complete. It says that the power of God infused the place. The power of God overshadowed the tabernacle. And this is the exact same language when they when they translated the New Testament or when they translated the Old Testament into Greek. This same word that's used here For the overshadowing of Mary with God's power is the same word that was used then. The same power that hovered over the waters at the beginning, the same power of God will now bring about the incarnation of Jesus Christ. The promise of Christmas is that God accomplishes his plans through supernatural and unlimited power. So the question for us is, how do we respond to this truth? How do we respond to the promise of God's presence and his plan and his power in our lives? And Gabriel concludes his speech by saying, no word from God will ever fail. These are the words that Jesus himself used later in the gospel when he says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Mary's response here is, may your word to me be fulfilled. What an incredible and simple expression of faith. May your word be fulfilled in my life. May it become a reality. May I walk in... And this is not a passive resignation. Okay, God, that's fine. Whatever you're going to do. No, sometimes that demands things of us to say, God, whatever your will is, according to your word, may it come true in my life. It's the embodiment of the portion of Jesus' model prayer where he prayed, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May your will... May your word to me be fulfilled. And here's where we're all living. Every person in this room, we're all living in the tension of how can it be and may it be unto me. 
Right? That's Mary's first response. It's a question. It's a legitimate question. How in the world is this going to happen? How can it be? That's the question we ask sometimes. Go, Lord, how is this going to work? I don't have enough money to do the things that I need to do. How am I possibly going to get through this health crisis? How, how am I going to make it through this family crisis? How is this going to work, Lord? How am I going to do this thing that you've called me to do, that you've placed in front of me? Sometimes these God-ordained things that become for us a kind of crisis, how's it going to be? How's this going to work out? That's a legitimate question. We're living in the tension of that question and this affirmation, which is, may it be unto me. This is where we all live. This was the tension of the man in Mark 9 with the demon-possessed son who said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. How's it going to be? But may it be unto me, even Jesus himself who prayed in the garden, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Do you hear the language of how can it be in that? And yet Jesus himself surrendered and said, not my will, but yours be done. That's the language of may it be unto me. This is the drama of Christmas. We all face situations in our lives where we must find rest and we must sit in the middle of our questions, how can it be, and yet affirming, Lord, may it be unto me. Would you join me as we pray together? Father, would you help us to trust in your promises, to believe that no word from you will ever fail. And God, may your word to us be fulfilled in our lives. Whatever that demands of us, whatever that calls us to, God, would you infuse our situations with your grace upon grace with your presence would you help us to believe and have confidence in your plan for us and your power to accomplish those plans god as you came into the world would you come again today to fill us with your spirit and would you come again to take us to your eternal kingdom lord we thank you for christmas and the reminders to us of your goodness and your mercy and your grace in jesus name we pray amen